Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, call it. This is Echo 2, calling in a fire mission. Hello and welcome to Check Your Six Podcast, a veteran's look at tactical games. Um, obviously, there's been a couple uh, episodes already done of uh, Check Your Six Podcast, uh, but we can consider this kind of a uh, relaunch of the podcast um, due to sort of uh, the people who were who were on it with me. You know, we've all got lives with COVID going on, everything like that. Uh, it kind of broke apart. It's hard to really schedule another time. Um, and so we kind of let it sit by the wayside, but uh, since then, the... Uh, the last guest that we ever had on Check Your Six, uh, my comrade here, BDG Grimm, um, goes by Grimm, I heard, uh, approached me and we talked about the idea of sort of relaunching the podcast as a, as a him and I thing, uh, where we, as people who are both really into tactical games and both as veterans uh, of the U.S. Army, thought we'd kind of uh, look at it from our, our unique approach uh, and talk about the games that we love and the genre that... Um, you know, that obviously you are all here to talk about. Uh, with that, Grim, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, hello there, everyone. I am Grim, and I am your co-pilot today for this evening. Uh, no, I'm Grim. Um, like you said, BDG Grim is my handle on most social media that I have out there right now. Uh, I was a veteran of the U.S. Army, uh, served in 3rd Ranger Battalion, uh, four years with them, four deployments. Um, had a lot of fun there and that was pretty much my active service in the army. Cool. So what are you doing now? Right now I work in it and I'm a nerd, which I love, but, um, no, I mean, I've just, I've always loved the tactical, the tactical gaming genre and all the stuff that encompassed it. And I really enjoy putting military tactics that I learned in the army into gaming so that's why I think I, I'm gonna really enjoy doing this podcast because like we could just talk about tactical games and like what the state is of some of them and kind of like where it's at because I kind of feel like right now uh, the way tactical games are going right now is it's it's about to have a boom because I feel like there's a lot of games on the back burner right now that are about to come out and it's gonna about to be a big boom in the tactical gaming space. A big yeah. bada boom, I heard actually. Yes, you know the bada boom for sure. Just a big bada boom. But okay, yeah. and. Uh, why don't you uh, tell the audience about uh, your stream, YouTube, any, any stuff you're doing in the content creation space? Yeah, so like I said before, every every handle that I have out there for social media is BDGXGrim. Uh, I stream on Twitch. Uh, I don't really have like a good set schedule right now. I just stream when I can. Um, but it's I usually get about three, four days a weekend. And then uh, my YouTube, BDGGrim. I mean, there's a lot of Arma content on there. There's... Uh, any tactical game that you could think of, I pretty much have played it. Um, but I do a bunch of other stuff too. A lot of different, uh, variety of games. So you could find a variety of stuff on there, but mainly I would say tactical, uh, content. So, yeah. So we got what, Twitch, YouTube, um, don't forget Instagram. Oh yes. My, my Instagram. Yes. I, 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 I don't post on instagram that much but my stories if you want some pretty funny stuff going on in my stories uh i put a few things on there oh and also yeah i just i just actually started posting quite a bit on my tiktok actually oh okay cool yeah i, I you on there 
yeah, I just I start making funny stuff with my friends. And right now, I got a thing going with my buddy who looks literally just like Chris Farley, and we've been doing bits with that. So it's it's a good time. So yeah, so <laughs> Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, uh, and Instagram. Those are my main things that I look at. And yeah, and they're all BDGX Grim. Awesome, cool. And just uh, to reintroduce myself, uh, I'm Yusuf Fodder. Um, I stream on Twitch Mondays, Fridays, and Saturday mornings starting at 0730 Eastern Standard Time, um, twitch.tv forward slash Yusuf Fodder. Uh, I also make YouTube content, pretty much all tactical gaming. A lot of it is edited down VODs from the Twitch side of things, the best matches and games that we end up getting. But I also try to do some how-tos, tutorials, that sort of uh, content. I got other content going up on YouTube as well. You can find me, youtube.com forward slash useless fodder. I'm useless fodder everywhere, except for Facebook. It's useless fodder TV. There's some, like, Indian guy that owns facebook.com forward slash useless fodder. I don't know. He's never posted on it, but he's sitting on it, and I think he's gonna—he's waiting to sell it to me for like ten thousand dollars when I break big. Hundred um, percent, what he's trying to do. That's exactly what he—he he knew it. He knew I was coming. Uh, but no, you can pretty much find me on all the social media. I haven't posted on my TikTok actually in a while, but um, I do—I try to post every day on Instagram, just some cool pictures from the various ops and whatnot that we're doing, and then uh, YouTube about anywhere from two to four times a month I get videos out uh, on the weekend. So um, I am also a veteran of the U.S. Army. I didn't do anything nearly as cool as Grimm did, though. I am uh, I was a 25 Sierra. A, that's a satellite communicator. Um, got to do some cool guy stuff uh, related to space while I was in. And um, after nine years in the Army, I decided, you know, I'd gotten married. I'd had a family. And uh, the constant... The constant moves, the constant not knowing if I was going to be home, if I was going to be away. Uh, I worked shift work for a lot of that time as well, and it just took a big toll. So I kind of had to decide, did I want you know, to have a family or did I want to be in the Army? And I decided that I'd much rather have a family. So I got out in 2017, um, moved out here to Colorado, got a good job. I've uh, been raising a family out here ever since then, but I kind of really, really missed the uh, the camaraderie that I had when I was in the Army, that feeling of like, the feeling of like a squad, a feeling of a team of people that are there who kind of all come from different walks of life, people who maybe you would have never met uh, or spent any time with in quote unquote the real world. But because the army kind of threw you together, you got to learn a lot about each other, meet people uh, for who they really are, even if you disagree with them like politically or anything like that. And um, you kind of grow together like a brother, like a brotherhood, right? Like you don't necessarily like your brothers and sisters all the time. You don't get along all the time. But when it comes down to it, they're they're like blood and you'd back them up no matter what. Um, and so that's why I started uh, streaming on Twitch was just try to, through tactical gaming, try to recreate that feeling of having that group of people that was so, had such a deep bond that um, despite all your differences, you can come together as one. And we've done a pretty good job of that, I think, uh, both with the Twitch and then eventually starting a Discord, um, which you can go to if you want to at discord.usesfire.com. Uh, the FOD squad is the community now. And the community is honestly uh, blossomed into something that's way bigger than me and the streams or the YouTubes or anything like that. It's it's a true community about people who who are looking for that. They're looking for a group of people to be a, a, a part of, to a group of people who don't necessarily... It's not just a gaming group. It's not just somebody who cares about what your favorite football team is or what your... Uh, socioeconomic background is or whether you agree politically it's a group of people who are there just to just to meet and get to know you and um, honestly that's at this point probably I would say that's probably my third job is just running that discord I uh, I got my my being a dad and a husband and then I got uh, my real world job and then I spend just about the rest of my time trying to run that discord and keep everything uh, in line and and ruly there but 
it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And um, you know, through this content creation stuff, uh, I've gotten to meet a lot of amazing people. Grim, you know, oh, sorry, I'll do it this way since the hey. camera's reversed a little bit. Uh, you being one of them, um, it's, been, it's been especially with the whole veteran aspect of it, really getting to uh, getting to um, meet and and work with a lot of veterans uh, who had similar experiences with me in the army, but also had vastly different uh, experiences in the army. I I didn't do any combat deployments while I was in for nine years, um, and so my army army career and story is very different. But getting to like have that togetherness of being like, yeah, we all went through basic training. We all know what the suck was for the army. We all, you know, we can all make jokes about uh, officers versus enlisted. We can all talk about that, that NCO that we had, that was a total D bag, but also, you know, went to bat for you that one time and, and, you know, really made a difference in your life. Like all those things, I think uh, that, that camaraderie, that, that inbuilt brotherhood that you get just by knowing that somebody else served, I think, uh, being in the content creation space, I've noticed there's a lot more veterans now than there were even when I started three years ago. And I feel like uh, a lot, especially with this lockdown time, a lot of veterans are seeing that sort of reaching out and trying to connect with them. Um, that's that's why Wounded Warrior Project, uh, who I have had an opportunity to work with, uh, even set up in the content creation space. I saw there's a ton of vets like you and I who were there just looking for looking for partnership, looking for uh, friendship and just looking to have a good time, looking to blow off some steam with the crazy world um, as it is. And so I kind of want to pose to you, Grim, you know, seeing that there is uh, in the content creation space, but also just in general, when you when you play games like Squad and Hell at Loose, Arma especially, um, any of those, uh, even getting more more tactical, like your your ground branches or anything like that, when you start looking at those games, you notice you run a lot uh, a across veterans a lot like in those games veterans are like playing the most quote-unquote realistic game that they possibly can that is basically their job you know veterans and active duty military and so um it's kind of wondering what your take is on why the games that we love attract people like us the veterans and the military members well i mean i guess the way i would say it attracts it attracted me i guess is uh well I'm out now and I don't do anything that even close to what I used to do in the army, uh, which is combat arms. I was an infantryman and, um, it's kind of almost how I call it. I, whenever I talk to, uh, Justin and you know, Justin, Justin red 87, um, he, I say, I did, I got to get my fix. And that's just like, of like my fix being playing games like Arma ground branch and, uh, running with those guys and and implementing real world tactics and real world CQB theory uh, in a video game, which is pretty dang cool to do. Um, and I think I think that's why a lot of veterans gravitate gravitate towards tactical shooters because it's more grounded. So when they when they play like call of duty and stuff they're just like okay well that's not realistic because it because you know like it's like a race car driver like you don't really necessarily see race car drivers play uh racing games unless it's like uh i i forget i forget the name of the game but there's like a dirt rally game that's like super duper realistic and like all the dirt rally guys actually play that because it's it's they, they're familiar with it and they can use real world things that they learned in the game and that's why they play it so i think it's the same thing for military veterans when you play like games like arma especially as you can use real world implementation of what you learned in the army 
or whatever branch you were in and implement it in a video game. And it's really cool to see uh, when you use like a tactic, like, I don't know, um, a bounding tactic or or, uh, how you enter and cleared a room in real life and you did that in a game and it worked and you used a certain technique that you did in real life and it worked and you're like, wow, that's, I mean, that's that's really cool to see in a video game and how they can uh, implement that. And I think that's what... um, when you say when you talk about what is a tactical shooter like it's all about the tactics and how you do a certain thing like it's not just to clear a room i'm not I'm just it's not just i'm going to run into this room and clear it it's like okay i'm actually thinking in my head how am i going to uh navigate this space with given what i have and all these different things and that's what makes a tactical game and i think there's a, games out there that are labeled tactical games which aren't in a way they're just it's like they're more so just like uh, they call them tactical. I would say they're more of a hardcore shooter. And uh, to kind of segue into that of like the difference between like a tactical game and like a hardcore shooter, I would say is like tactical game. You're doing a lot more thinking before you do stuff. And hardcore shooter, you probably are too. But a hardcore shooter is more so like your your HUD's taken away, or your um, you don't have a map or something, and you have to do a certain and. Like you just basically you get assets taken away from you, and that's what makes it hardcore. And it's just a little bit different from the tactical space. I see how it can be uh, confused, but they are a little bit different. Yeah, I definitely would agree with you on that. Like, I would say that a, a good example of that is, uh, like, you could say maybe like I'm not a big fan of this game, but Rainbow Six Siege has a lot of gaminess to it, right? But like at its core is a is an angles based CQC shooter, and so um, I'd say especially when you uh when you watch at high levels like ta- the tactical nature of it really stands out but i would not call it a hardcore shooter by any means because it's got uh it's got a lot of bells and whistles it's it's got a lot of other things uh vice that um a game like escape from tarkov i consider that a hardcore shooter but i do not consider that a tactical shooter i think you you can use some tactics in it but i don't i feel like the vast majority of um of what you do in that game is much more twitch based uh, you know, being slightly intelligent with with positioning, but it's a lot more about how quickly can you get your you know your reticule on the enemy and hold down fire, vice them. You know, uh, smart decisions you made a long time ago can can play out well here, but it's not necessarily like you're coordinating fires or you're working on bounding or anything like that in that game. That being said, it's very hardcore. If you get shot in the leg and you get a fracture of your leg, you got to put a splint on it. Then you got to you know, take some pills. Or it's ex- extra layers that simulate some sort of aspect of realism on top of it uh, to give it a to make it uh, give an authenticity. Uh, sorry, authenticity towards uh, towards what that that would feel like. Um, what what a what somebody actually in a combat situation would uh, would have happened to them when they're when they get shot. And so I think like I don't consider that a very tactical game, but I do consider it a very hardcore game. And I think at the marriage of both is a game that you and I both love, Ground Branch, right? Like. That's a very tactical shooter, probably the most tactical shooter. Um, but it's also there's essentially no HUD on it at all. Uh, it is, you know, you get shot once, you're pretty much dead. Um, you know, it the recoil patterns on the weapons are extremely realistic. Like, so it, it tries to take the realism aspect or the or the authenticity aspect of a of a hardcore shooter, and it also takes the extremely smart uh level design extremely smart weapon handling um uh and combines the two to make a tactical and hardcore game so i think they 
that might be illustrative for people who have played any of those games to kind of know um, what makes one or the other. Uh, but I think something like Ground Branch is a little bit of both. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I guess the way I would put it is like hardcore for me equals like unforgiving. So like they take away all this stuff. You get hit once or you get shot once you're pretty much dead or, um, you know, depending on where you get hit and certain stuff, like especially in Escape from Tarkov. But the one thing I do really love about Escape from Tarkov and that I don't really see all that much is the implementation of armor. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy behind some of this stuff because like they'd have like a guy wear a helmet and you're not even penetrating that helmet with shooting at it with an AK-47. Well, that round would go through no matter what with one with one round. But um, the game uses armor in a way where it's like, oh, this guy's using level three armor. That's going to stop some rounds. Um, whereas, like, if you're not wearing any armor or and stuff like that. So, like, I think it's cool that they actually can implement that in a game. But... They need to perfect it better. They need to make it so it's not like if you're wearing a helmet, you're pretty much not going to get shot in the head or something. I mean, they, I think they're working on it, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried for how Tarkov's going to end up. Um, I haven't played it in a bit, but I kind of have a feeling they're they're uh, they're moving on to bigger and better things. I don't think they're going to like keep improving it like people think they are or like people say that they're like, oh, well, it's going to get better. They're going to keep working. I was like, I'm pretty sure those developers are thinking about moving on and doing their own different projects. I'm pretty sure I've heard uh, one of the developers say that, that like I'm pretty much done with Tarkov. I'm going to go ahead and move on to other better things. So in terms of Tarkov and stuff, I, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But like you said, for Ground Branch, Ground Branch is a very good tactical game. Um, you could definitely implement tactics in that. And... You know, honestly, I think I think the reason this is kind of going off topic, but uh, I think the reason that uh, tactical games aren't as popular as, say, like Call of Duty, like a Twitch shooter is in order to really have fun in tactical games, you need to have like a couple buddies with you in order to implement some tactics. Because if you're just doing it by yourself, it's like, yeah, you could do stuff like pie the door and make sure you do all these things like and make sure you're doing all these things. But it's where tactical games really shine is in the team play. If you can get good team play and good teammates, it, it makes the game 10 times more fun. And a great example, I think, of that and how you would see it is in a game called Squad. And I'm pretty sure if anybody listens to this, they'd already know what Squad is. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Squad a tactical... A, like a a truly based tactical shooter i would say it's a shooter it's a military shooter like it's military themed but there's just some things in that where it's like they're trying to make it like that but at the same time it's not grounded enough to where it just feels like it feels too much like i'm playing a game like in the in the uh firefights like in the quick firefights it's almost like a tarkov thing where like whoever can get their reticle on the guy fast enough and then they're gonna win the fight you know um but there's some cool things that you can see implemented in squad where like if you get a good squad leader or a couple of good squad leaders and then uh, everybody's working together, it's amazing to see what you can accomplish in that game. But it also on the other end of the coin, if you have nobody working together in squad, it's probably one of the most frustrating experiences in gaming. And I think that's why a lot of people don't play squad is because you get a lot of those a lot of times you get like nine times out of ten. It's there's like nobody knows what the heck's going on. 
where's the squad leader at blah 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 blah. i don't want to be squad leader you be squad leader and that's and then it just becomes a very frustrating and not fun experience which is why i don't play squad all that much but there are times in where i've played squad and it's like man i love this game i just wish i could have moments like this in every single game that i play of squad because i would play it i would i would be playing it all the time if i got those moments all the time but you just don't you get them like once every one time every month maybe if you're playing a lot yeah well yeah and when you play squad definitely one thing i've noticed because I, I hop in and out of it i'm not i don't play it um like every day i probably play it i'd say a couple of times every other week you know if that makes sense like i'll, I'll have times where i dip into it and then really get in really get into it and then kind of get out for the same reason right and what i find is that generally uh with squad you end up having a uh, group of people who play a lot together, usually like a squad or two. And if you're on their side, it's awesome, right? Uh, but when you're not on their side, you're just getting blown up all the time. And I feel like squad's one of those games, uh, because it doesn't really implement any sort of like balancing between teams, and there's obviously no nothing like an ELO or, an, or, or a ranking or anything like that. It's just whatever team you happen to get on. Uh, it can really be swingy in that way. When you get, when you hop on like a clan server and everyone from the clan's on one side, like, it's game over. You're just you're just fodder for their for their you know YouTube content at that point because they're just gonna chew through you because they actually have at least uh, some coordination and charisma between the various squad leaders. You know they kind of have it. Uh, they kind of know who's decent at what that sort of thing. Um, and I think that also if you are somebody who is tactically minded, uh, games like Squad and, and I'll toss in a couple other ones there: Postscriptum, Hell Let Loose, Beyond the Wire. You know, three of those games are, are relatively similar, but uh, uh, Hell at Loose being kind of built on the same bones of those. Uh, if you are tactically minded, you inevitably end up having to take a leadership role every time you play. And, like, I like squad leading in squad and, and all those other games. Uh, I don't mind being commander in those games, but, like, in the end, sometimes you just want to be a medic. Sometimes you just want to be an MG gunner. Sometimes you're just looking for... You don't want you know three different video or sorry three different audio channels of, of people yelling at you needing things and having to constantly make decisions and put stuff down and point at maps and yada yada like that can be really fun but if you're the only one who's ever willing to step up then that can get so old it's like being in high school and being the only one who's willing to uh to actually like lead lead the group for the project like if it's fine if you do it once or twice, but eventually, like, come on, guys, can somebody else have an idea? Can somebody else? I don't want to dictate how everyone does everything all the time. Like, at some point, I just kind of want to turn off. And I find that um, with squad, especially, I tend to just get sucked up to those leadership roles nonstop. Like, I'll see the commander roles unfilled for half the game, and finally, I'm like, well, we're gonna lose to that commander. I guess I'll just step up and do it. Um, and that's you're doing kinda, God's work. You're doing God's yeah. work. But it burns you out. It burns you out really fast on those games. And, um, you know, I'm going to go out and say that I think that uh, squad specifically puts too much emphasis on squad leaders. The The whole fact that it's make or break if you have a good squad leader, including the experience of the individual player, I really feel like, you know, they added commanders um, in, in the time that I've been playing. It's been a while now since they added commanders. Uh, but I really think that they need to do better to um, offload some of the requirements of the squad leader onto other roles. Specifically, like the team leader aspect of it, you can make fire team leaders. I think offloading some of the aspect to a fire team would be way better. Like having a fire team leader have his own uh, net with his guys, his or her guys. So let's not be sexist here. Uh, and then um, 
the f- there being a squad level, like a leadership net that they're on. So that squad leader has to worry about what his team leaders are doing, and that's it. Not what all 10 people in the squad are doing, just what his two team leaders are doing, uh, and then can also communicate with the commander and the other squad leaders in that way would help immensely. Um, I think that a lot of the FOB building and base creation aspect of it, which is a huge draw, that's... I kind of have a theory about hardcore and, and tactical games. Like, they all kind of have a... Um, I'll say an angle, or they kind of all have a focus, right? I think squads is a strategic gameplay via building their building mechanic. So, like, you win or lose a game in squad based upon where you put fobs, where you put uh, mortar emplacements, um, how smart you are with laying those out, uh, you know, that sort of thing. You will win and lose a game that way because of that, not just because you have a squad that's all good at shooting. If they can't resupply, then they're useless. If they have to run, you know, two kilometers to get into the battle, then the, that great player doesn't matter. Um, and I think if they took some of that focus of the base mechanic and they took it away from the squad leader, like make the squad leader put down the radio, make the squad leader put down the hab, but there's no reason why your engineer can't be doing the rest of the base building. Like your engine, let that player who just wants to base build not have to be a squad leader and he could just go put up the walls and he can do this and that. He can drive the, um, you know, logi back and forth uh, and, and get to play that aspect of it. And me as a squad leader, if I'm sitting there and I'm, having to tell my guys where to go, communicate with all the other squad leaders, communicate with the commander, call in fire support, uh, put down uh, a rally point for my guys, and I have to do all the base building? Just seems a little ridiculous. Like, I think some of those aspects could be put off on somebody else. Like, once again, team leaders. Make sure the squad leader can't put down a rally point, but the team leaders can. So each team leader has a rally point for their guys, and the squad leader can rally off of both of them. Boom. I, yeah, I, I 100% agree. That's that's. I think that that would take the pressure off of that person, and it would give the team leader being an aspect where somebody can kind of, okay, I played squad for a little bit. I kind of want to step up a little bit. You step up into that team leader role, but you still get to be a medic or whatever, right? A fire team leader is just a just an extra thing you're given, and then all of a sudden you got just slightly more to worry about. And then after you've proven yourself to be a good team leader, then you could step up to be a squad leader and eventually up to be a commander. Agreed. Yeah, like the way. The way I mean, the way it's done in, in real life, like the team leaders are the guys who are getting stuff done. It's not the squad leader. The squad leader is he's laying it out like, hey, this is what we need to do. But the team leaders are the guys who are like, all right, you get over here and do this, get over here and do that, and then they report back to the squad leader, and then which and so on and so forth. But like the real people that are doing the fighting and doing all that shit is the team leaders. So. If a, if squad found a way to implement that where they took some load off the squad leaders and it put some of that on the team leaders because right now I mean what is a team leader able to do mark so that's literally pretty, it that's it just put so marks down the only incentive I ever think a team leader to even make somebody a team leader is if they're a marksman so then they can mark stuff like they can see stuff like oh I'll mark it for you so that you I can mark it so that I can get the ranges which is ridiculous but you know that's what they use it for so it's like it's kind of a broken mechanic it's an added feature that they just that it's like there's no substance to it and if they give the team leaders the ability to do stuff like build and and do all that kind of stuff then it would make it much better but it's just no substance there in in making a team leader yeah and and i've noticed that um you know in squad especially as it's bulked up in size it's a lot more popular now than when when i started playing it uh definitely due to a lot of the um various streamers that were playing it you know i think they did a really good uh media blitz campaign when they did their 1.0 release i don't know was that a year ago now um and i think they did a really good job to bring a lot of 
players in, into it. I'm sure some of them have fallen off, but they've done a lot better. But I noticed that now, um, it used to be that you'd have a lot of squads that were only had a couple people in it. But nowadays, you when you join a game, you'll see all the squads are full, except for maybe one squad. And then you'll hop in there, and that's the, the time that you get forced to be squad leader or whatever, right? And I think that um, if you're going to have a full squad of people of, I think it's 8 to 10, I can't remember, it's somewhere in there, um, that's more people than one person can manage reasonably. And like you're already talking about the internet, it's hard to manage people in real life. Definitely hard to manage people on the internet, but it's especially hard if you're the guy who has to do all those other things, and then you got to tell all of your individual guys which sectors they should be watching, or hey, you know, I want you, 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 and you, I want you to go up and do that. Well, it's like instead, if you just had one person, you'd be like, hey, knucklehead, take your guys, take you know, you guys go get that hill. Uh, team two or whatever team Bravo is gonna do base of fire for you. Boom! It's like instant. Don't have to worry about it. And then you as squad leader can be like, okay, get back to looking at the strategic aspect of, okay, that squad's going there, that squad's going there. I'll radio up to command, let him, let him know I got a guy getting up on the hill. like, And I can get back to doing the leadership things and not the individual, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's like, you know, you and I know because of the how Im- embedded it is in everything you do uh, tactically is is team lead based like yeah, i'm even thinking when you do when you stop and pull 360 security you got to do a sit rep right squad leader doesn't go to every individual soldier and say like how's your ammo how's your water how's your no that's squad leader's now time for that right that's why you got your team leaders if your team leaders are slow with those reports then they've they've screwed up because they should know everything that's going on with their four guys right and so not to belabor the point but i really think that that is just an aspect of uh, a missed opportunity that i think um if somebody who both loved the game and had a little bit more background like we do got involved in the actual creation of that game, I think that that would not have happened. But And I haven't done my research on this, but I don't know if anyone on the squad team actually is a veteran of the military. I think and, I think, I think they do have a few. I'm not 100% on that, but I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. But don't quote okay. me on that. Yeah, because I know that they've worked with people, especially when they were still doing uh, Project Reality way back in the day for what, Battlefield 2 or Battlefield 3. Uh, I think it was Battlefield 2 first, and then yeah, they two. pushed it up. Yeah, yeah that's right, 2, because they just came out with Battlefield 3, uh, Venice Unleashed or whatever, the, the modding tools for that. Um, I think that back then, I know that they had a lot of that, because I remember that being like a big selling point. Um, or not selling point, but a big draw for that. But I think... Uh, a, l- a little bit of that of that culture of whatever the forces that they're trying to uh, trying to replicate, I think, really sells it. It's not just the type of weapon you have or whatever. Like the cultural differences between the various forces could even be exemplified. They kind of have that little bit. Like the insurgents are the only ones that can a buddy rally. That feeling of like if you let any insurgent get in, there's going to be a bunch coming out of there. Insurgents can build two two halves for every radio, right? You never know where they're going to come from. I think that's an awesome aspect. They may not have as advanced of weapons, but they have a way better mobility. They got way more ability to move around. Their stuff costs less, you know, like that's cool. Uh, I think if you could even delve down deeper into that and like the, the way you structure those various forces, I think you even have a bigger selling point for that game. But you know, that might just be one of the things that some, somebody like you and I are really going to focus on because we are like, this is how you would do it in the army. Um, But other players, maybe that wouldn't matter so much to them. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I I kind of get in that slump sometimes too where like I've I've done a little bit of uh consulting with a couple of uh developers on games and I I said, "Listen, I'll give it I won't say the game, I won't say anything like that cuz I'm not trying to badmouth anybody here and I'm not even badmouthing them here, but I'm I'm like 
I get, I sometimes get in that mode where it's like, well, this is how you would do this certain thing. I don't know why you guys want to do it this way. And then they'd explain to me that like, well, we want each, we want each thing to be unique. We want each weapon to be unique. And it's like, I get that. I understand where you're coming from with that. But the way you're having it done is any person who sees that, especially like in a tactical sense, they're going to look at that and be like, why is that guy doing that? Like, why are they, why is he doing it that way? This is way is faster. And I just got, I got, I didn't get like mad, but I was just like, guys, this is how it's supposed to be, man. I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to, uh, like step on any toes here or be mad. I, I'm, I care, but I care a lot about this project. And I really think that if this went this way, it would look better. And they, and they're, they've been actually very receptive, but, uh, they went back to their original. So <laughs> <laughs> we hear you, you're yeah. heard. We're going to yeah. do it the other way. Yeah. yeah and I mean, that's, there, there's always that balancing point of, um, you know, what, Games have to be games, right? And that's mm-hmm. and, and I know that that's a, it's a big thing, especially for developers. Game developers have put a lot of time and like a, a almost a clinical lever, level of research into the aspects of what people enjoy about games and what they want to do. I mean, go, go to somebody who's done level design for 10 years and talk to them about like uh, angles of perspective and like doing things that draw people's attention towards where they need to go without you knowing they're doing it. And like, yeah, and there's like so much deep uh, thought put into it. So it's kind of hard to come in and be like, well, but in the real military, they do this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but in video games, we kind of, yeah, but in military, they do, you know. And, and I think there's a level of balance that always has to be had. Yeah. I think that anytime you play a game that tries too hard uh, to be, quote unquote, realistic, I think that it, it can really it can really rob something from it. A uh, good example of that is like way back in the day when America's Army first came out, right? And like, the the fact that you had to go through basic training in that game like it I, I kill it killed the game for a long time because it was unskippable you had to go through all the aspects of basic training i got what they were trying to do right it's an army recruitment tool they kind of wanted you to know it's not all just fun fun running around shooting um and then of course if you ever got frustrated and like shot at one of the people that that was teaching you you went to a virtual leavenworth for like five minutes and i was like how many people have 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 not played this game how many interesting teammates do you not have because you had to go through somebody listening like you had to actually listen to somebody talk to you for the full like fm whatever whatever dash whatever it's like it was insane and yeah, I was like, they, they went a little too, too far, far. With that. and uh and I, I mean i like i like a game that's i like a game that's a little hardcore you know i obviously i wouldn't be here if i didn't but there's also an aspect of like so much of what being a soldier or, or being in war is not the fun assaulting the objective time. It's the, you know, it's all the prep work that you got to do, all the mission planning, all all of the uh, PCCs, PCIs, all of the PMCS of the vehicles that you had to do. It's the, you know, making sure that you're, you've got people pulling guard duty, you know, and you have a, a good, ro- I mean, you, even, even that's even just when you're, de- you know, in the deployed area. Like it's, there's so much more to it. And I think that, a game could never really, you could never make a game that was realistic because, like, fully realistic because it just wouldn't be a game at that that point. It would be a, a weird, like, Second Life, a simulation thing. Yeah, the closest one you could ever get to that right now it would be Arma, 
because absolutely for when you play arma man and if you got like a big operation you'd need like a three-hour block because there's like Mm -hmm. first there's an hour of prepping then there's an hour of planning then there's like the actual operation when you conduct it so like yeah, like when you play when you play games like Armor, there's a reason why it's called it's not called a tactical shooter. It's called a military simulator because you actually have to do all those things. You have to plan it out. You have PCCs, PCIs, and some people actually really like doing those things and they like it that they're implemented in the game. You know, because it makes them and especially that's why a lot of veterans like Armas because it makes them feel like they're freaking back in the military. You know, because they're doing all these things that they had to do in the, when they were in the army. Now, granted, no, but not everybody liked doing all those things, but like. It kind of gives you a feeling. It's like you have to you have to cross all your T's and dot all your I's, you know, to make sure that the operation goes the way you want it to go. And and then when you see it all come together at the end, you're like, it's like the A team, man. I love it when a plan comes together, type thing. So, yeah, I will say though, going uh, going back to the saying like, when games are trying to push for us, they say they want realism. It's like I think they need to change the name, man. They need to change it. It's like it's like. Don't say you want realism. Say you want I don't even know. I don't even know what other word you would use for it. Yeah. Because because realism is then it then it would be like those things like, look, if you're pushing for realism, this is how they do it in real life. That's realism, not uh well, we're making it this way because it's a game. It's like, well, I get that, but if you're making a realistic game or a realism game and that's like your selling point, then take some of these things into account more. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, I do and, and agree I, that people need to make a game. And I think that there's an aspect also when you talk about realism is that like it's difficult uh, and we talked about this uh, last time we spoke on on this very podcast. It's difficult to make a game where it accurately simulates combat because the reality is that many decisions made in combat uh, are decisions that are life or death. And in a video game, they just aren't, right? Like, you don't, there's no aspect. It's not like if I get killed in Arma, like the game uninstalls itself and fries my hard drive or anything. Like, it's, you know... (laughs) I just respawn and I and I might have a little bit of a walk. And so, like, you can make it kind of painful. You can make it, like, ground branch where there just are no respawns, you know. And so you do want to take it more carefully. But in the end, you always get redos. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the real in real combat, much of the decisions that – or much of the, the tactics you use are predicated on the fact that the enemy is going to do everything they can to stay alive – and you don't want to expose yourself in, for a risky tactic that has a high chance of getting you killed. And, and I think that that's one of the things where, um, you know, gamifying it a little bit, making it less realistic, but making it more, uh, more likely that people are going to get a feeling of tacticalness works really well. Like we talked about before, I really like suppression systems in games. I like, I like suppression systems in games that are like, when you get suppressed, you're done. You just got to sit down and wait it out. You need somebody to rescue you. Because if you don't get suppressed, or if, if there's no feedback mechanism in the game for being suppressed, you honestly don't care. Like most games, when you get shot at, your first inkling is to, you know, stand up, look over where they shot at you, and return fire. And that can be a good tactic if you're, say, in the real world, out in the open, you got nowhere to hide. But in the real world, if you got anywhere to hide, you're getting there first, and then you'll reassess after the bullets aren't whizzing past your head. And I think that, you know, something like a suppression mechanism... Uh, really allows you to get to get to a feeling of realism while not being inherently realistic itself because your eyes don't, as far as I know, your eyes don't actually narrow and your hands don't actually go like that necessarily. You know, like that's not, that's not what, it's just in the real world you just wouldn't expose yourself because you don't want to die. Yeah, you, know? you wouldn't be able to effectively engage the enemy if you're being f- effectively suppressed. And 
a thing that I think that they, that games haven't really implemented yet, and I, I mean, it'd be awesome if they did, and I would absolutely love it, is... Now, I think they've done it in a few games before, like, lightly, where, like, the AI, right? And I understand that it is hard to develop AI. AI is really hard to develop. But <laughs> what I would really like is if the AI, when you suppress, like, it, when I when I go, like, in Arma, when I freaking go and I'm going rapid on a, on a group of dudes and I want them to be, like, fixed in one spot, you know how Arma AI reacts. They just start shooting at you and they stand there and shoot at you. They may get down and may take cover a little bit, but you know they're not like they're not like pinned. They're still gonna try and shoot at you. And what would be really cool is if they implemented a way where like if you are putting a certain volume of fire at uh, an enemy, that they will be effectively suppressed and will not return fire back at you because they are literally hiding behind cover. So that way you can maneuver on them. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. But as soon as, but then, the, but then have like a little timer. So as soon as that that suppression stops or that volume of fire goes below a certain threshold, then they'll start returning fire again and manu- and being able to maneuver again. But if mm-hmm. but if it reaches that threshold, they're fixed. Because a lot of tactics are based on that. They fix them in position, and then you either flank them or assault through. And that's how that's how like tactics are done. And I have yet to see it in a game. I would love to absolutely see it. Because then I would be like, I'd be bounding everywhere. People would actually want to do bounding. People would actually want to do all these things because then they want to keep the fire up while they're maneuvering and stuff. And I just think they just have yet to do a good job at that. And I'm not even talking about PvP here. I'm talking about just versus AI. But if they were to do it, because doing it for PvP is a lot harder to do because you're against the player and they know they're not going to die. But obviously the AI is like, they're in another world. They're like, oh, I'm going to die because I'm the AI, you know? Yeah. But, but, uh, I just have yet to see it in a game, and I would absolutely love it. I'm 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 not a huge PvP guy. I I do play PvP, but I'm not big on it. I like I like cooperative games, dude. If I can play together with my buds and def, uh, defeat the AI and certain things like that, I absolutely love it. So that's yeah. That's, in terms of suppression systems, that's how I, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, and and I think you know when you when you pull back the pull back the curtain a little bit and you look at like how how are military tactics. Like people didn't just come up with these and just say like, oh, this is a good idea, right? Like it's a built upon literally hundreds of years that we've had gunpowder and the various changes in our in our uh, capabilities technologically to be able to then take on enemies. And I think that, um, you know, the when you really look at uh, the idea of maneuver warfare versus uh, other forms of warfare that were prevalent prior to it, like we still practice that. Man- well. Even I guess we're kind of getting into post maneuver warfare now with all of the various uh, casts and um, and you know long range fires options we have. But like in general, you're still talking about maneuver warfare. It's not about it's not about you as an individual making all your shots and killing somebody. No, it's about the fact that you can, like you said, fix him in spot in a spot, and then uh, effectively communicate you know distance direction yada 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 to any other maneuver elements around you and by working together can effectively isolate an enemy and then destroy them through superior you know application of tactics because you can you have the freedom of action and they don't and that's true in the air that's true if you pull back to uh, a strategic view and like a whole theater and what you're trying to do moving whole armies against each other uh, all the way down to a you know squad level of you have two teams for a reason and and you work with your other squads to make sure that yeah we're on SBF we're here to make sure that if we see anyone they don't go anywhere and we can call them out to people that are actually down there maneuvering between buildings and let them know if there's a guy there 
we got him suppressed. He's not going anywhere, but watch out. You know, like I, I feel like that was developed because suppression is a real thing. And so when you see somebody who tries to play Arma and you try to apply those military tactics and sometimes you just get your your butt kicked by the AI and you look back and you're like, well, that wasn't realistic. The AI wouldn't just stood in the road and then just, you know, let loose with his PKM when he was getting shot at by that 50 cal that took him out literally a second after he cleared our squad. But he did it anyway and we just got to learn to deal with the Arma AI. It's like that would be cool if the next generation of Arma or, you know, whatever tactical game, especially ones with co-op, like you said, can can actually better integrate what that is without being too over the top. I, I've seen, like, um, systems that people will have where they uh, create, like, a morale system for the enemies. But, like, I feel like those morale systems, whenever you see them in games, they tend to be, like, they are fighting to the death until they get to a certain threshold of morale, and then they just break and run, and there's no in-between. There's none of that, like, okay, I'm just dividing my time to get back into this fight, like... Clearly, I shouldn't peek my head out because it's not a good time to, to shoot at them. I will die. But they're not gone. They're not They're not so, their morale isn't so broken that they're just like, I'm never going to fight again. You know, that's not how it works at all. I think right. having stages like that would make, would, be a, would make for a really engaging shooter, especially one that has the long ranges, the wide maneuvers, your squads, your armas, and, and those sorts of games that are of that, um, that scope would be really mm-hmm. cool to be able to integrate that better. I think, I think, um, in a way that it can implement it back to you, like say how the AI, say the AI is suppressing you, because not only you can mm-hmm. suppress the AI, like the AI's got to be able to suppress you, or then what's the fun in that? Then your actions could just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep shooting at the guy yeah. and and moving while I'm shooting at the guy, and then that my buddy can just make sure that while I'm reloading, he's shooting at the guy while we're moving. It's like what would be good, I think, a good a good thing to do would be like if there's a certain volume of fire that's coming at you, that is like within a general vicinity, uh, your guy will either, your guy will move slower. He will um, not, you won't be able to see as well, but you know, like how you see in most of the things, like you won't be able to see as well. And I'm saying this because like in real life, you know, you just wouldn't move, but like for a game, you have to, you do different things to implement that. Like you're being suppressed. So like he'll move slower. He won't be able to see as well. He won't be able to engage back as well because his gun will be going all over the place. Uh, granted, that's not realistic in how you be suppressed, but you have to do that to implement being suppressed in a game. Mm-hmm. So that way it makes people think, like, I can't be caught out in the open right now or I am screwed if I get engaged and suppressed because otherwise I'm not going to be able to move as fast. I'm not going to be able to disengage. But if I pop smoke and break my line of sight from them, then all the effects disappear mm-hmm. for, like, 10 seconds. But then if they start seeing you again and engage you, then you're back to being suppressed. But if you're able to pop smoke and break your line of sight with them, if there's a mechanic that could be made like that where you can break your line of sight and then it takes away all the effects for a second and then mm-hmm. you you get out of there and you bound back and stuff and you try to suppress them to keep them fixed from firing back, that would be the epitome of a small unit tactics game because that's essentially, that is small unit tactics. That is what you do. That is like That is breaking contact. That is reacting to contact all that stuff it is all about gaining fire superiority because if you don't have it you're going to lose the fight so i would love to see it in a game yeah and i actually had somebody and i think this nests really well with with what you're talking about that the idea of you know um being able to utilize smoke and whatnot to to try to to try to minimize those aspects because you as a person would know okay at this point are there still bullets coming yeah but they're going to be much less effective they're not going to know where we're at yeah we can move undercover that sort of thing um and uh one time somebody had brought up to me the idea of an adrenaline mechanic and i think you could gamify this like to the nth degree and that 
it wouldn't be useful in this circumstance, but just a little bit like, let's say you're crossing an open field and then a bullet whizzes by you. Well, you're going to get a suppression mechanic automatically he's got shot at, right? But what if your character at that point then goes into that, that state of like, you know, oh, sh-, you know, and, and so like maybe, maybe you can't uh, aim as well. Maybe you can't do it, but you can move fast or your stamina is now doubled because you're running literally for your life. And like, I think if you were to take some of those sort of things that could be gamified and, and you just, just a, a thin veneer of them over the top of your already solid Arma or squad light game, I think you have a really winning combination, right? Because I think having something like that, like the idea of, okay, you get, you get shot at. And in this situation, like it makes sense. I'm suppressed, get down, hide behind whatever bit of cover is there or vice versa. You're crossing a street and you get shot at what well, this moment you need to not be out of stamina. And I think that anybody who's getting shot at, is going to find that last little burst of speed to be able to push through to get to the other side. They might be tired after that, but you're going to have that, you know? And, and I think yeah. that that aspect's going to be, uh, or I think if you could find a way to marry those two in a way that didn't feel gamey, I think it'd be really, really, you would, you would then be giving people not only just the, the look of of war or the sound of war but almost like a feel of war when your character is you know suppressed and sluggish it's different than when you know in that in that split like maybe 10 seconds after getting engaged you're now running faster and have like basically unlimited stamina you begin to give people the 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 more of a feel through a feedback of their controls of like what that would be like and and I think with a little bit of balance, that could that could just make a really engaging uh, shooter that would that would be a little bit more realistic or so be higher on the realism scale. Here's an idea from that. I just I just thought of this now with the um, old stamina thing where you said like they have like adrenaline meter or, or like say you're getting shot at and you're like oh shit and then you get that adrenaline boost right. Well, what if you had it so like you had the adrenaline meter so like there's the meter and then there's like three little bars at the way back right Mm -hmm. so you are running you're running you're running you're getting shot at you still have your stamina so you're still able to sprint blah 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 blah. but then you reach the end of that and then you double tap the the thing to to hit that extra store right you're like oh god you use that and then and then you need to get out of the way right so you use that boom you lost that that bar okay so you won't that bar won't begin coming back until your stamina is all the way back replenished and then that mm-hmm. bar will start filling up again and then yeah. but then if you're in contact and you and you and you exhaust that bar that bar's gone and then if you hit it again and that bar leaves that bar's gone and then you hit it again and you leave that bar's gone and then then you'll have no stamina left cuz it's like you use those cuz you were you were you were spiked up then but eventually your body's going to fail yeah so like I think that'd be a cool way to implement that stamina thing. And then as soon as your full, your other stamina comes back, then those bars will start to fill up again. Yeah. But it takes a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's that, and, and it, once again, is it gamified? Is it realistic? No, you don't have bars in the real world, but in, in the real world, right? Like you train your body to be prepared for the, for the mission that you need to do. Um, and then, you also train your mind to be able to push yourself to do things you, you normally can't do, right? And that's like one of those things that like the training can only prepare you so much. They can only they can shoot bullets over the barbed wires you're crawling underneath it, but you you know in that moment that you're not actually getting shot at. You can only push so hard. But when those when you actually have fear for your life, like the 
your your ability to as a as a human being who wants to continue to survive and uh, you know go on to have kids and and to complete complete uh, your your destiny uh, your genealogical destiny, then your what humans can do in that in those times, what humans can endure and push through. I think replicating that in a way that makes you feel like you're more than just uh, a series of I don't know, it's gonna sound like a series of stats, right? Like yeah, yeah. Like like that's that's one of the things that people always complain about when they hear about Tarkov, right? They hear about the story of Tarkov, like oh, you're this hardcore PMC and you know you've been fighting, and then you get there and your recoil pattern is like the side of a barn, and you're like, what happened to all of my skills that I had over the last ten years of being a PMC? You know, like. Like what happened, you know, and, and I, and I think that, you know, having that aspect of like, yeah, you, you are a trained soldier who's prepared for this sort of thing. And, but like you said, there is, there are limits to the human endurance. And if you, uh, I mean, I, I never lived it and, and I, I, maybe you can speak to this, but I know reading a lot of accounts of combat, like perfect or a great one for this would be like Black Hawk Down, like a lot of that 17 hour battle, uh, with people resting from the bursts of activity that they had to deal with. And the final scene in the movie correlates very well with the final part of the battle in the book where there just weren't enough seats for people. They had to run like a mile and a half in full kit out of there. They did it, but they were like, I mean, they fell down almost dead when they finally got there because, uh, yeah, running a mile and a half in kit is something they've done before, but they've exhausted themselves over 17 hours of of engagement here, rest for an hour, engagement there. You never, you know, that ta- having to be tactically minded the whole time they're in, in combat and uh and i think that finding a way to replicate that without uh you know where you've yeah you've exhausted yourself you really do have to you really do have to rest now you really you can't just push yourself push yourself push yourself like in games you always run till your sprint bar runs out and then you just slow down for a minute till it re- like that's not how it is okay sprint 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 okay now i'll jog at a decent pace to get my sprint back like that's not how it works you got to stop and rest no i agree 110% man i mean like, I I I've I've heard of I've heard of an account of my and I'm, it's funny that you mentioned Black Hawk Down because literally I was a part of the com- the company not mm-hmm. during that time obviously but yeah. my my company was the company that went there, and uh, they going on the on the stamina thing again. The uh, I we they actually had we had a thing where like there was guys that were they got in contact in in a valley in Afghanistan and. They, I think it was like a six-hour firefight, and when they were trying to get out of there, like an entire platoon became heat casualties because they were just they. I mean, obviously they didn't want to get shot, so they were pushing their bodies to the absolute limit. But there is a limit, you know. Like obviously their adrenaline was running because from when they were telling me they were getting shot at, like a couple guys got hit, and and also, and but also like they were just rounds skipping right by them and stuff. So it's like their adrenaline was obviously spiking, and they were doing it. But for a six-hour-long battle, and then having to run however far back to get back to the HLZ, uh, an entire platoon became heat casualties. So like there is a limit to the body. So like, I don't, I, I agree with you that there should be like, a, there shouldn't be like a thing like, Oh, I'm out of stamina. I'm not going to run. I can't run anymore. But I do think there should, I think there, I like the idea. I think we're really onto something here. And I Let's think just we start sh- a game. Let's, <laughs> the, the podcast get turned to check, check your six would be a game. Yeah. Check your six. 2025. 2025. God damn. It's going to be good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I actually do really like that mechanic. That's thinking about that in my head. I was like, that sounds like a really good idea. And it doesn't seem like that'd be that hard to implement in a game. I'm going to have to talk to some people. We but, do uh, know some people that make games. So yeah, maybe yeah. we should talk to them. 
Yeah. But no, I and, and I think that that's you know, whatever. It it's it's all about it's all about what when you develop games, it's all about trying to to hit a certain feel, right? Like, uh, like I talked about before, I feel like most hardcore games have sort of a, a specific thing they want to focus on. Like I'll say for Tarkov, I think the armor and the uh just the the weapons, right? Like they wanted to hit the feel of what the weapons are, and they. I feel like they've done pretty well of that, the attachments and sort of how you can swap stuff out and whatnot. They've kind of, I think, gone a little bit off the deep end a little bit. They've been sort of creating rounds that don't exist. They've added some things that are like experimental and you never really see in the real world. Whatever, you have to keep adding content. I kind of get how that is. But like the first time that I was playing that game and I found a, a like the Ronin helmet, I'm like, nobody actually, like, is it a, is it a, uh, a full face mask that that is able to deflect bullets or whatever, or, or it's like level four face mask. Like, yeah, but like nobody uses this in the real world for reasons, you know. Like, right. but uh, but I feel like you know they wanted to hit that. I think that squad. It's their base building mechanic and the strategic gameplay for their going to a game that's not so much a tactical shooter, but kind of also on like the hardcore element. Like, if you ever played that game, Scum. I really enjoyed that game. It's a great open world survival game. Their focus was on the nutritional system, right? It's like every hardcore game has this one system that you look at and you're like, that's really what you wanted to make. And you had to make a whole game around that system. And um, and so maybe maybe if we can find somebody who wants to make an Arma-like game that has that wide scope, but focus still on the infantry combat, then we could do it. Ugh. Check your six, 2025. <laughs> Check your six.com releasing 2025. Patreon, Patreon starting Start tomorrow. Patreon now. <laughs> Kickstarters, everything. That's exactly what it's all about. Um, so just uh, moving forward on some of the stuff that uh, we mentioned earlier, um, you know, I've I felt for a while that uh, I don't know if it's like the start of like the the indie games uh, really coming to the fore with stuff like um, you know early access being an, uh, a thing, Kickstarter being a thing, uh, and like people being just more willing to essentially alpha test your pay to alpha test your game. But I've since I've gotten really into the genre, which was roughly the 2015, 20, 2016 time, I feel like looking back, there was like the like original Ghost Recon all the way up to like Swap 4, I say is where it's at. And then like there's a valley, there's a gulf there where I can't honestly say any particular game. There were certainly mods for games that came out that kind of got towards it, but there just wasn't a what I would call like a, a tactical or hardcore game for a long time. And then, um, you know, games like I'll say like, uh, I think insurgency sandstorm, maybe not sandstorm, but like insurgency, the game when it came out, um, started to, to sort of get that going again. Uh, and then obviously over the past three year, two or three years, you see a huge explosion of them, like off world industries becoming this company that now has three, uh, you know, sort of, tactical-ish games underneath it of different eras you've got uh obviously eft being one of the most played games in the world for a while last year um you know and like you start seeing like it's it's like a like a boon all of a sudden out of nowhere and everyone's making a tactical game uh all very different and i just i wonder if if you got any if if you know why why that is and kind of where you think the genre is going from here well i mean heck just look at Call of Duty Modern Warfare, man. The clean house mission. Everyone loves that mission. Why? Because it's it's rooted in some realism and the guys who consulted on that actually did that kind of stuff. And then there became and then as soon as everyone started seeing like 
and this is they they started uh, liking the tactical genre more and more before this game, but I think it really took off, or people really started to take notice once Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, came out because they were they they were like we want a really grounded, authentic experience, and it was like, well, they gave it, they gave a pretty good one, and I've said it before. I think I said it on the podcast last time. I said Call of Duty Modern Warfare did a really good job with their with their uh, campaign. Now it's not a tactical shooter, obviously, but they they made it look really good for what it was and you see a lot of tactical games now try and implement certain things like clean house-ish mission like the clean house-ish mission and they try and implement them into their games and i think it's pulling it's pulling more and more people from like the casual shooter space into the tactical shooter space because they're seeing like all these things you can do in that game and they're also seeing also there's a bunch of stuff like what's blowing up now is is a bunch of like veteran plays this or veteran reacts or and and stuff like that on video game stuff and then people are starting to see like oh this is how the guys in real life do it i want to do it that way so then they then they start going into tactical shooters because that's the it's where you tend to find those guys and where you tend to learn a lot about those guys so I, I think it's, like I said in the beginning, man, I think it's going to be a boom. There's going to be a boom of tactical shooters that's going to come out here in the next three to four years. Hopefully they're good. I mean, I'm I'm praying, hoping and praying that uh, Ready or Not gets their stuff together and has a great game because I really think there's some potential there. And, they're, and uh, I mean, it looks beautiful. Just got to play good. And uh, also there's other games like Zero Hour. Uh, that is starting to look a lot like a SWAT 4 predecessor as well. I mean, there's a lot of games that got a lot of potential out there. Um, they just need to drive it home. And I and think they can do them. it. And finish, <laughs> and finish them, yeah. They just need to do those things. And gosh, it, they could just be such good games. But yeah, man, so I think you, it's going to boom. Have Have you seen that game, uh, Due Process? Did you ever play that one? I haven't, but I've heard of the premise. Basically, where it's a new map every... Uh, Every time you play, yeah, but it's like it's like sort of futuristic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any like hero abilities or anything like that, but I feel like there's like some tech- technological stuff that's like futuristic. But it's basically uh, sort of like a zero hour SWAT four feel to it, uh, like a CQC shooter, um, like very very tactically grounded. A, a lot of people, um, somebody who I look up to a lot. I don't know if you follow him, Clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did. He did Tarkov for a long time. Kind of fell out of it for a while. Kind of hops back and forth. But like, I always appreciate his takes on things, and he loved that game. He thought it was a it was a great game. I saw a lot of the people who were in in sort of the space that were at um at our level playing that game and having a, a great time of it. And so it's like, I feel like looking at that game being sort of this futuristic game, uh, not being grounded in like an actual like reality, but still being arguably a better tactical shooter than a lot of the games that are like that don't make up guns and stuff. I, I think that that puts it, uh, it's a very interesting, um, it's very interesting to show that you can like the future of, of this genre might not even be like real world stuff. It could be the next halo game. They could release a tactical halo game if they really wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, like uh, call of duty uh, grabbing onto what I would consider to be very hardcore uh, concepts in there. Like they're um, the way they did their cover system. A lot of people hated it, but I thought it was a very interesting way to take it. That that idea of uh, of holding holding angles, holding corners, um, and being smart about it. The uh, 
<laughs> I was I was in the, the the back channels of the Ground Branch forums when they showed off first their movement system, uh, and uh, sorry the Ground Branch Discord. And there, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Ground Branch, as far as I ever saw, was the only game that ever did a a sort of uh, combat glide as their default movement, um, and then a sort of hustle with your gun still up, just uh, you know, as as your as your common form of movement, and then a sprint where you fully lose uh, lose your your muzzle awareness and you're just moving as fast as you can. Call of Duty added that in, and like people's jaws dropped when they saw that because they're like, where did they get that from if not from us? You know, like it's very possible that Ground Branch, the game that I love and hope that it will eventually see see a real release, you know, like this small, very small five-person team, you know, that has to cobble together people uh, every Friday night to get it, to get a good player base going might have influenced the biggest gaming franchise I think of all time. You know, it's like that that goes to show you like like you said like that like the the tactical genre not only is it booming but it's like it's it's going out and and yeah bringing people into it. And I think I think content creators have a, a big role to play in that too because they think when you uh, when you have something like a Call of Duty is a good example. They put out a game every year, right? They switch between developers, whatever. But you put out a, a Call of Duty game every year. It's like Madden. You just buy it if you play those kind of games because you want to play with your friends, and that's the newest one. You don't have to really like. They can try to sell people, but they know they're gonna sell to like 70% of the people that buy their game are going to buy it every year anyway. They don't really have to sell to those people. They're just trying to slightly expand their audience, do their whatever, their numbers. Um, but when you have small indie tactical games where people have to drop 20 bucks on a game that is early access and nobody really knows what it's like or you don't really know if they're, if they're nailing it or not, like there's like a video and some screenshots, I really feel like that's where people like you and I kind of come into it uh, where you know, we could buy the game or, you know, hey, developers out there, if you want to give us keys to play your game, we'll probably play it. Um, <laughs> that guy over there. Uh, but no, like if you if you get on a stream and you play it for, you know, two to five hours, uh, people get to see raw gameplay. They get to get your impression. And hopefully at this point, they kind of have a, a good feeling on, on where they agree with you and where they don't. Uh, they get your impression live, unfiltered as you're playing it. And then, uh, and then they know whether it's worth taking taking a risk on it or not. And I feel like YouTubers and 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 streamers like really feel that fill that niche uh, for all of these sort of early access and like unfinished games. Because by the way, uh, like Squad and Insurgency Sandstorm both released, but like they both released their 1.0 and then immediately went on to like how they're still fixing the game. So like it like there, our genre is very un, a very unfinished genre. And so, like, I think that's another aspect of it is, like, um, it's booming a lot of games and a lot more people are willing to play them. But, like, at the same time, they kind of need to have a little bit of faith from somewhere that this game, though it's unfinished, is worthwhile for their investment in, in the future of it. So, I think, I think that just plays plays a role in it, I guess I'd say. Maybe I'm just uh, doing a little bit of tooting my own horn here, but, you know. No, I mean, I mean... I never thought that I would actually be able to consult on a video game and actually see them do like put that change in a video game because I did. I mean, when I saw it happen, I was like, did I just do that? Like, I, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I, I'm just like this dude who like does IT now and used to do some military stuff. So now it's like, I know a little bit, but and then I consulted. I was like, 
I think the the reach to people now is so easy. It's so like it's so easy to get to know other developers now and and give them your input early, you know. And it's it's great. I think the ability for early access games to come out and um, people to get their hands on them early and of course early and uh, <laughs> just put their input in and have them kind of develop it as it goes and finish it, not just like put it out early access as a, ca- as a cash grab, finish the game. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's a good thing. And, but it, again, it's a double edged sword. They got to finish it. It's not, can't just be a cash grab. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see uh, where it goes. Um, there's a there's a couple of games that I've really got on my radar. I don't know if you're following uh, what Drakeling Labs is doing with uh, uh, Operation Harsh Doorstep and um, Warfare 1944. Uh, but I think you know the those games, especially Warfare, has like a very like we first see it's got this like very like blocky voxel looking look to it, or and you're like, oh, this is a serious game. But then when you get down to it, like it's it's like talking to those guys, like they're like, no, we're making a tactical shooter. It may not look like it's a stylistic choice. It may not look like a tactical shooter, but I'm promising you, though you're shooting Minecraft guys, it's 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 built on some some strong foundations. And I think uh, you know, getting to work with the guys on uh, Operation Harsh Doorstep is uh, the same um, or Doorstop. I always get the two confused. Doorstep or Doorstop? I'm not sure. Somebody will correct me in the comments. I'm sure. Um, the uh, get it, getting to play those games and seeing like what once again a small indie team can with passion can do like and their game hasn't hasn't even really gotten to like the the fully open uh early access aspect of it i think it's really cool and and we're even seeing it like spread into other genres like i don't know if you ever played the um uh, scp pandemic if you played that game but it's a um it's an scp game right so it's full of weird like you know pseudo pseudo horror sort of things uh but it's a tactical it's a four person co-op tactical shooter uh and it's 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 a tactical shooter like it's it's designed to be a tactical shooter it just happens to be in the scp world and so it's like yeah people like as we look to the future like i see all these games that i've really got my nose you know uh or whatever ear to the ground nose to the ground is my sense you can't smell dirt um ear to the ground you know trying to suss out all of these upcoming games for content creation purposes but i sometimes it's pull back and i'm like there's just so many of these i can't even keep up with them like i look every time i look look over it's almost like uh you know when everyone's making uh, um a battle royale game a few years back it's like no matter what like somebody had to, they put battle royale in every game uh it's like that but like with smaller uh smaller creators that are that are just want to create that game um there's even another game that i played uh whose name is escaping me right now and i should probably look it up before for it mess up but it's um basically like a uh an attempt to create a game sort of like uh squad uh, operation valor is called um it's to create a game that's sort of like uh, a squad style game, like a large open scale uh, uh, strategic uh, strategic game, you know, with building fobs and and capturing points and and doing uh, moving through uh, various terrains and cities and villages and whatnot. Um, but it is an ice or a, a, a top down it's a top down shooter. So almost like uh, what was that one? What was that World War Two one that uh, you played? Oh, oh gosh, Foxhole. Foxhole. So think yes. like Foxhole. Think like Foxhole Squad. Let's make it. Let's make a game that's like that. And it's like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know what that's gonna be like. But then I played. It. I'm like, this is this is awesome. Like, it 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 takes the shooting aspect of it, the skill of being able to get your cursor on somebody's head, 
out of the game, and now all you have are tactics. All you have are the ability to move. Yeah, it's like the tactics are slightly dumbed down because it's, you know, you don't have standing and sitting and you can't, you know, but you can still go into buildings. It's all about, like, getting sight lines on, on roadways and, and moving your other teams. It's great. Like, when I played it, uh, they did some some open beta tests, and it's like, it's great. It's really fun. And I'm like, that's a that's a cool a cool concept. And so it's like we've gotten past the stage of just recreating the old game. You know, like Ground Branch, while it does many new things, attempts to capture the feeling of the old Ghost Recons and the SWAT 4 and, and those sort of feeling of games, right? Um, we've, we've now, as a genre, moving past just, re, uh, just trying to sort of recapture and, and uh, uh, iterate on the old games. And now we're trying to brand new concepts. I think that's really cool. And, uh, and I'm just really excited where it goes. I think, I think the next year is going to be looking really good for it, especially as, you know, every time people get a bunch of money in their pockets, I'm hoping that these COVID checks, that people dump it right into game development and then... Yeah, yeah. And then Check Your Six comes out in 2025. 2025, Check Your Six, funded by COVID. <laughs> funded by COVID. <laughs> um, no, I... Uh, so I've heard about that SCP game, never played it, but... That, thank you. That <laughs> that concept is like super freaking cool because I think I think that's like an untapped thing that people don't look at is like uh, a tactical military shooter, but against monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your like? What are you? I mean, it's tactics. You just have to develop new tactics for whatever anomaly or monster you're fighting, right? And I mean, I mean, we, we, me and Justin, everybody, we all reacted to like the SCP dollhouse thing. And it, it just the premise of it, of like having a military style PMC style, um, force go after these anomalies, uh, in the SCP universe is just something that I think is untapped potential to be very good. Like it, you could easily make that stuff like, a HBO show and just if you have the high enough budget and it would be a instant hit like i'm talking not to get too crazy here but probably like game of thrones level like people would love watching that sh- that stuff mhm uh, so yo and there's even um if, i don't know if you're into the uh the sort of lovecraftian horror stuff that scp sort of has as a as a uh basis but there's um Harvest Green, I believe is the name of it. It's actually so there's like a yeah, like a role playing thing that's that's based upon like a military unit that has to deal with like Lovecraftian horror and there's like an aspect of like investigation and whatnot too. It's sort of like the uh, SCP Dollhouse I think like took off like it did because of that cuz that marriage of I like tactical stuff, I really love this super weird creepy stuff, bring it together. Um and I feel like if they were to do uh you know, uh, an adaptation of that of like it's already it's already built like it's, like it's already black, it's like black powder red earth meets mm-hmm. monster hunter or whatever you know insert monster here yeah yeah i think really cool i mean i, I think that's part of the reason why um something like x-files was so interesting right because there was like there's a hint of that it wasn't it was it was focused in a different dra- direction but x-files but military could i mean that could really take off unfortunately if you sell an scp game i found this out kind of kind of food for thought you can't actually make money off scp stuff interesting thing because it's all uh the licensing for it the whole world has to be open source so you can make money off it like let's say i make a game that's scp game but somebody could 
take my game and sell it because I have to release that game under the same license as what the world is based on. So that's why the guys who are making SCP Pandemic, they you can pay um, to get into their Patreon was kind of how they were before. They're going to have an early access. You're paying to basically get in and test and, and get in the credits and whatnot. But eventually it has to go free to play because they can't actually they can make money but they can't actually like sell it per se like they can't they can't own the intellectual property that that's based on then they're going to create another uh game after that they're going to use a launch pad to create another game that is in their own world which is sort of scp inspired but it has all their own monsters has all their own anomalies their own history and yada 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 um to then be able to sell an actual product that they own yeah so they're it's, gonna, it's one of those interesting things they're gonna have to be careful about that Oh yeah, no. They they've they really they've really done a lot of homework on it, and you know they didn't intend on selling the game originally. They it were just a small mod team, and then they got a uh, um, a lot of interest, and then they're like, oh yeah, let's uh, let's you know let's make a game or let, let's make a bigger a bigger project, uh, and then as that interest like built, they're like, well, you know, eventually we should probably try to make a living at this, <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's what they had to do. The lights gotta stay on, guys. At some point, somebody has to pay me, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm still looking for that YouTube monetization. I'm never going to get there, though. <laughs> oh, you'll get there, believe me. I'm Dude, working it's a for paid. it, too. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously we got some more stuff on the outline, but I think, uh, I think this is a pretty good, pretty good launch episode, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm going to call this episode one. I know there already was an episode one, but we're going to call this relaunch episode one. Um, and I'm just really, I'm really glad to be back at this, uh, I think. You know, I really enjoy talking about these games with you. Uh, I think it's fun that we come at it from uh, a little bit similar background, but still very different. We play different games. You know, you you have the aspect of, you know, I feel like you play with a little more of a, like a defined group. I know you're part of like a milsim group for Armor 3, yada, yada, yada. Whereas like I have like um, sort of like the suicide squad of random people from throughout the world uh, who just kind of hop in and play at various skill levels, right? And so I think that... Uh, I think that we're a pretty good team to to take this on, and I'm really excited to see where this goes and what we, um, you know, what those various uh, uh, perspectives can bring, you know, to the table on this. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I had a lot of fun doing this first episode, and I'm excited to do some more, honestly, and and getting more guests on as well, because I feel like we can get a lot of really good, interesting perspectives as well. Yeah, we know a few people, so I think that we could probably convince them to get. But I'll have to make a new out, a new overlay. Oh, we'll it's figure me- that out. We'll it's get messy. there. It's messy. I don't want to. Do- <laughs> I don't want to. I want to do it. Trust me, I'll do the I next s- one. <laughs> I say as if the overlay is actually really that great anyway. But <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, for anyone who's uh, who's um, listening uh, out there on the audio uh, version, thanks for listening. Uh, you know, you can find this on uh, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and then a whole bunch of other uh, ones that I don't know. We're working on getting it on like Google or sorry, uh, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts is gone, by the way. Now that was my podcasting service that I loved, and it's gone forever now. Rip. Um, but we're going to get it on Apple Podcasts. I know it's a lot of people's uh, favorite podcasting. Uh, place uh if you guys have any uh any response any question any feedback on what we talked about today uh you can email uh me at useless fodder uh at gmail.com or grim i don't know if you have an email you want to give out uh i'll give that out in episode two because i have it i just don't know it right off the top of my head <laughs> yeah or of course you can hit us up on on twitter all of that will be in the show notes uh all of the information will be in the show notes and then if you're watching this uh on youtube um obviously all that same information will be down below uh that you guys can get a hold of us um and submit any any 
any questions you guys have, I think we'll probably find a, find a way to work a questions and answer segment uh, into this in the future. And I think that it'd be really awesome to see. So I solicit what your uh, questions are that we can answer live on the podcast. Uh, with that, though, I think we're going to close up shop here. It's getting past my bedtime. I know that. I know you stay up all late and you don't want to. Oh, no, 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 definitely. I got to get to bed, too. I'm getting old now. <laughs> now. Now you're out of the army. You're officially old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, uh, Grim, thanks for a, a great first episode. Thanks to all the uh, listeners, viewers, um, and everyone out there. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys in episode two coming out in approximately two weeks. 